I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup and So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Oshie, Backus, Berglund, J-Bo, Perron, Petro, Steiner, Allen, Tarasenko, Gunnarsson, Bennington, Edmund, Shen, Stastny, Elliott, Fabry, Shattenkirk, O'Reilly, Schwartz, Reeves, Yarrow, Barber, Sheparenko, Dunn, Langer, Bruner, Aportuzo, Kola, Yakabo. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. A team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. So give me a we went blue. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we're talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin, joined as always by my partner in crime, Wags. And uh, this is the start of a two-part journey with uh, one of the iconic voices of St. Louis Blues hockey, uh, we've got Tom Calhoun. Let's get ready to make some noise. <laughs> yes, make some noise tonight. Yeah, the, got, Tom Calhoun is has been the public address announcer for the St. Louis Blues for the past 33 years. He's uh, been at the seat for over 1,500 games, has not missed a game, not one since 1987. The begin not just eight nineteen eighty seven January fourth nineteen eighty seven the the guy is an Iron Man and I'm looking forward to uh, talking with him hearing his story and uh, let's not waste any time lags let's get right to it it's our Blue Notes face off of the week. And that beautiful NHL 94 music means it is time once again for our Blue Notes face-off of the week. And this week, we are facing off with the legendary voice of the St. Louis Blues, the Iron Man for the St. Louis Blues when it comes to broadcasting. Uh, he is the public address announcer. You hear him at every St. Louis Blues home game, and we mean that just about every Blues home game over the past 30-plus years. The one, the only, Tom Calhoun. How's it going, Tom? Hey, I'm good. Good to talk to you guys and uh, good to talk to anybody. I, I've been kind of on vacation here for the last nine months, at least from the blues, and uh, want to get back at it. So I'm, I'm anxious to uh, see what you guys have for me. Yeah, I, I feel, Wags, we don't have any right to talk about how stir-crazy we're getting without hockey. I mean, when, when this guy, you know, you, 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 you do something for over 30-plus years, you get into a routine, and now it just, you know, does it feel like, Tom, you're, you're completely out of the routine? Yeah, there's a lot of things I'm going to have to relearn, I think, when we get going again. Um, you know, I think most of it will come back to me pretty naturally, but uh, there's some talk 
that when we do get started, uh, there's going to be all kinds of different configurations about how the building's going to work and where I'm going to maybe be set up for doing my job and how many people are going to be in the building. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, how they wind up handling everything. Yeah. You're down at ice levels. So are like, are they talking about moving you away from that? Well, I've heard some discussions. I'm in a, I'm in a Facebook group with all the other PA guys in the league or most of the other PA guys in the league. And there's been some talk in other markets that guys are going to be moved away from ice level level and perhaps up at, uh, uh, the press box level or maybe in somewhere in between where, you know, people can be separated. And um, so I don't know, uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion about a lot of different options and uh, we'll just have to wait to see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how that'll work because you obviously be outside of earshot of the refs, you know, when they come over and announce penalties and, and, and things like that. So that'll be interesting to watch this whole season. I think it's going to be an interesting experiment coming up, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about you. And of course, uh, like any good story, you know, let's go ahead and, you know, start it, you know, where it all began in Belleville. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's where you're from growing up there. Um, how big were you into sports growing up? Oh, I was a uh, total sports nut uh, growing up, mostly baseball. Uh, I was a baseball player as a kid and actually played at the original Bush Stadium in an all-star game back Ooh. when I was like, nine years old. You know, that's before Bush Stadium, too. That goes back to the late fifties. So, uh, yeah, I was, a I was pretty much a baseball, uh, junkie back in those days. But then when, uh, uh, when hockey came along in the sixties, uh, during my, uh, during my teen, teenage years, I, I got into hockey and, um, I can't say it ever really, uh, blossomed for me like, uh, like baseball did until, uh, I was asked to start doing the PA announcing for the, for the games. Uh, I did play a little roller hockey back in the day and uh you know street hockey with some of my buddies and stuff but um uh i really uh, fell in love with the sport when i actually started working with the blues and uh, got to know some of the people in the sport and uh, appreciate what they do on a regular basis and so um that's a long answer to a simple question but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was big into sports as a kid and uh you know, I still am. Well, it's good to hear you say you played roller hockey cuz I currently play roller hockey. I've played since 2003 since high school. So, knowing that uh, uh -huh. you did that, that's pretty cool. Um and, and like you said, you were an athlete. Were there any dreams of becoming a professional athlete or did you get to a point and go, yeah, I've had my time. Now I'm going to move on to the broadcasting thing. Or, or did you have a dream of, of possibly playing in Bush one or Bush two as a pro athlete? Well, sure. I think most guys who play sports as a kid uh, envision themselves or, or would like to envision themselves playing professionally at some point. I, I was convinced that I had that kind of ability as a young boy. Um, but as I grew up or, or didn't grow up, I, I was kind of a small guy most of the time in, in my youth. Um, you know, uh, the big guys started taking over the sports that I was playing. And, uh, uh, you know, even though I was a pretty good infielder uh, and could actually hit a breaking ball once in a while, um, you know, <laughs> when I when I kind of struggled to make my high school baseball team and then went out for uh, baseball and uh, at uh, the junior college level and didn't make the team. 
I figured that was pretty much my signal that I wasn't going to be a pro athlete and I better find something else to do. So I wanted to stay in sports and people told me I had a decent voice. And I heard Jack Buck say one time, man, this is the best job in the world broadcasting these games. And, (laughs) and so, you know, uh, not being totally stupid, I put a few things together and thought, well, I'll pursue this uh, broadcasting thing and see where it goes. And uh, so, so I went to SIU Edwardsville and went through the radio TV program there and, um, uh, you know, managed to get work after I graduated college and here I am. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar boat. I mean, I played sports growing up and I never was a fast runner. I was never really that athletic, you know? So, you know, we all, you're right. I think we all have the dream of, you know, wearing a Cardinals uniform someday or a blues Jersey someday and scoring the game winning goal in the Stanley cup final. You know what I mean? That's just the, that's just pure sports fan dream right there. But, you know, I kind of knew early on that I wasn't going to be, you know, uh, in the major leagues or even in the minor leagues, you know, you know, or even you know, I might be able to make the beer league team. You know, I, I realized that by the time I got to high school. Um, so like I was, you know, I was I was a big Jack Buck fan growing up. Uh, Ron Jacober on KMOX, Ken Wilson on TV calling blues games or going to games and hearing your voice, you know, telling us to make some noise tonight. You know, I knew kind of early on, you know, and my dad was a broad broadcaster as well so i was i kind of knew like hey this would be something that'd be really really cool to do so that's what got me into broadcasting now you got you know you sold your story about how you got into broadcasting but uh we all have memories in the world of broadcasting of our first you know few years in broadcasting and some of the funny mistakes that we've made or you know maybe some of the people that we met very early on any memories of your early days in broadcasting stand out to you? Well, you want the funny one and the embarrassing one first? Uh, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Okay. All right. Um, well, I was uh, working for the student radio station at SIU Edwardsville back in uh, back in the day, and uh, we had uh, we we had a lot of opportunity there to do student called games you know we'd go out and broadcast basketball baseball soccer the whole the whole gamut of sports that SIU played in those days and uh, one day I was asked to go broadcast play-by-play for a SIU baseball game at Washington University in St. Louis well in those days uh, you had to have uh, an oppor- a way to monitor the radio station so that you could hear the breaks be- you know that uh, you take between innings well, it just so happened that SIU Edwardsville's FM station signal didn't reach very well to the Washington U campus. So mm. we had to rely on the board operator back at the station to tell us, OK, go. Uh, all right. We're in a break. We're coming back from the break. That kind of thing. Um, so I uh, but it was a really cold day and it was I, I would guess it was March. And my buddy and I who were calling the game sitting behind the backstop at the Washington U field and um, just very, we weren't dressed for the occasion, put it that way. (laughs) And so, so about halfway through the game, we take a break. And I'm assuming at that point that the board operator is playing a, a PSA. It wasn't a commercial station, but they, they filled with PSAs or promotional announcements or something like that. Assuming is the key word there because he was down the hall getting a something out of a vending machine or something when I took my break between innings. Oh no. Yeah. 
well, you see it coming. Yes. And I turned to, I turned to my buddy, Bruce Allen, and I said, Bruce, I'm freezing my blanks off, you know, and you can guess what the blanks were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is back in the day when, you know, that kind of uh, talk on the radio was just totally verboten. You couldn't get away with that sort of thing, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, I thought, uh-oh, when the guy came back on uh, back at the station and said, oh, I was down the hall and what you just said went on the air. And oh, my goodness, I just I was mortified. And then, of course, we finished broadcasting the game. I don't remember who won. Well, all I remember is when we got back to the station with our equipment, uh, somebody said, hey, Tom, uh, Fred wants to see you. Fred was our student general manager or in our station manager he was a he was a faculty member and so i go into his office he says you know what you said um you should probably be uh, not allowed to broadcast any more games i said well and i told him the whole story you know i said well I, you know we assume that he said you can't assume when you're by a live microphone you can't say anything that you don't want to get on the air that's just you know broadcasting 101 I said, well, I learned my lesson. He said, well, I'm going to let it go this time. He said, the FCC might not let it go, but he said, <laughs> we'll let it go this time because he says, I think you have some potential for doing this sort of thing. So I, I appreciated uh, getting a second chance. And so that was, that was an early on uh, lesson that I learned on what not to say when you're not sure that you're uh, on the air or not. You know? <laughs> I, I think we all have stories like that. You know, like I, I, I remember when I was starting out in radio, it was uh, the fall of 2008 and I was working in Ottawa, Illinois, uh, in Northern Illinois at a small, sure. a, at a small AM station up there. And I wasn't yet doing play by play for football yet, but I was helping out with uh, like their halftime show and like, you know, running the board, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And um, I remember during one football game, I, I stepped out and, you know, to I don't think it was going to a vending machine. It was something else. And I came back and for our studio, you know, each, you know, if you've been inside a radio station, you know, studios usually have an on air light that flashes yeah. on whenever the mic's hot. And, you know, you, you, you know, not to say anything. Right. Well, um, I had forgotten that our on-air light was not working that week. Uh, they just needed to replace the bulb, and they hadn't yet. And I walked back in the studio, and there's uh, two other guys that are, you know, that were part of the, uh, you know, group that we were that we had for football game nights, just you know, gathering other scores from around the area. And we were, and they were talking about hockey. And uh, they were, I, I forget exactly what they were talking about, but they, the subject of the Detroit Red Wings came up. Uh, I guess they were playing Chicago that night, you know, a lot of Blackhawks fans up in that region. And uh, I, I uh, said something, I, I got to the board and, you know, I got within like maybe about here from the mic and it was on. And I, and, and I said something to the effect of, I don't give a F about Red Wings and their fans. Come on guys, let's get back on the air. Only we were actually on the air <laughs> at that point. Uh, I, the, the, the red in my face, I don't think I've ever gotten that red in my life. It was, it was about the color of the Red Wings jerseys. Luckily, our AM signal at night was so low powered, it didn't even leave the county, and I never heard anything about it. <laughs> <laughs>
thankfully. I don't think no one that important was listening. Uh, Wags, do you have a story like that, or are you the angel among us? (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm the angel among us, but uh, (laughs) the only radio station I've worked at, uh, all my stuff was recorded so I could edit it. So I've I've had moments where I've dropped some words that I I didn't want to go out on the air, but I was lucky enough that I was actually able to edit it down before it went out there. So as of yet, Knock on wood and everything else. I haven't had that experience, but I know one day it's going to happen for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll happen. If you're in this business long enough, something like that's bound to happen. It, it certainly is. Um, you did play by play in college, but you're most known for obviously the public address side of things. Uh, what pushed you towards that avenue of broadcasting? Well, I did a lot of play-by-play actually after college too, uh, in the seventies and early eighties, um, at, uh, WIBV in Belleville, which was kind of the KMOX of the Metro East back in those days. And, uh, we did a lot of sports. And, uh, so I did, uh, get to a point where I was, uh, ready to move out of this market and, uh, try to, you know, find work doing play-by-play maybe in a college market or some other place, because, this market in St. Louis was was totally locked up by huge, big name professionals uh, for the most part. So I knew I had to go elsewhere. Turned out I never did go elsewhere. I got a job at KXOK back in the uh, 80s, back when the Blues were uh, uh, on KXOK for a couple of seasons. And Ron Jacober hired me to be uh, part of the sports team there. And um, in answer to your question, uh, one day Ron called me in the office and he said, uh, you know, uh, the blues PA announcer has to leave that, that job with the blues to go to work at Anheuser-Busch and the, the brewery won't let him do both jobs. Um, Susie Matthew, who was head of their communications operation at the time, the blues would like to talk to you about doing the PA announcing for the, for the team. And, and Dan Kelly and I have suggested that you'd be pretty good at it. Would you be interested? And, I paused because truthfully at that moment in my career, I was not terribly excited about the prospect of doing public address announcing, even though it was for a national hockey league, you know, major sport team. I was more focused on trying to get to somewhere where I could do play by play and be uh, more of, you know, uh, closer to my dream, I guess you would say. Uh, But I went and talked to Susie and, and she said, you know, Dan and Ron think you'd be good at this. And, and so do we, would you be interested? And, and they hardly paid anything in those days <laughs> to, to do the PA announcing for, even though it was national hockey league, um, Harry Arnest was the owner and they were trying to save all kinds of money. And, uh, you know, they were counting paper clips and, and they offered me uh, a little bit of money, but it was hardly worth my time. And so I, I told her, I said, I'll finish out the season for you, and then you can find somebody else. And uh, we got close to the end of that season uh, back in 87. And uh, she said, can you see me in my office uh, during one of the games? Uh, she called down to my position and said, come see me in my office after the game, if you would. And I said, okay. She says, we really like the way you're doing this. Would you consider coming back next season? And I said, well, Susie, you know, I, I kind of like it. It's kind of a sexy thing to announce something and hear 18,000 or so people uh, cheer and, and make some noise based on your announcement. I said, I, I kind of do like the work. It's fun. 
I like the people I'm associating with, but I said, I can't devote that much time to something uh, if I'm not going to make any money at it. And she goes, well, we've talked about it here and we're going to make it worth your while. And that's all I needed to hear. I just needed to hear <laughs> somebody have that sort of confidence in me and uh, that they were going to take care of me on the financial side of things. And, and they did. And well, you know, the rest is history. I've been there 33 years now, five ownership groups, uh, all kinds of different bosses along the way. And, and somehow I've managed to survive. And so it's, it's been a wonderful run. And obviously the thing I'm most known for at this point in my life. And, and uh, it's been a great thing for me. And you, you bring up a good point, you know, people, I don't think understand the rush you feel when you have, you know, thousands upon thousands of fans responding to what you're saying, and you're the one that has the mic and you're the one that, you know, all these people are listening to, like in radio, you know, you're always, you know, you're not like doing one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, conversation with your listeners, you know, there's always a, a little bit of a disconnect, you know, unless, unless you're a true pro and can like, visualize who you're talking to you know while you're behind right. the mic but you're getting direct feedback at games and it's always a rush and that's one reason that i enjoy doing public address myself and i feel very lucky to have the gigs that i have now you started out in the old st louis arena doing games there um and my memories of the arena are fading you know by the time the blues moved to the keel center i was nine years old so you know i don't have a ton of memories of the st louis arena but what was your setup like at the arena? Because I know for media and, and those types, it was uh, kind of interesting to say the least. You know, it was a very dated facility. And any favorite memories of, of your time at the uh, at the old barn? Well, I've got a lot of them. But uh, as far as the technical setup, it was really very, very minimal. Mm -hmm. uh, I was at I was sitting at the scorers table like I do uh, at Scott Trade Center um, or Enterprise Center now. Um, <laughs> I uh, got to get the sponsorship right. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was sitting there at the table, the same basic position that I do these days. Um, but all I had was a microphone um, and a telephone. The telephone was a ring down phone from the press box. So if somebody in the press box needed to talk to me or give me some information, you know, the, the phone would light up and it was kind of like a bat phone. You pick it up and it wouldn't ring, you know, but uh, but somebody would be on the other end with some kind of information. And there was a button I would push, a little like doorbell button that I would push to let the organist know that I had an announcement I was gonna make so that he wouldn't play when there was a stoppage in play and then I would make my announcement. Um, and really, when you think about it, that's, a, that's all it was necessary at that time because there was no video component to the presentation it was just a scoreboard with numbers you know the time clock and penalties would be put up on the scoreboard there was no video so it was kind of up to me to decide how the show was presented in those days the timing of it uh, you know how many announcements I would do they would hand me a set of three by five cards when I got to the game with all my announcements on it and they would say just you know Here's one for the first period. Here's one for the second period. Here's one for the third period. Do what you want between periods, you know, that kind of thing. So it was very, uh, very Spartan compared to today, of course, with the high, high energy video presentations and fireworks and all of the things that go on these days. But um, 
uh, yeah, it was it was fun, and and the arena was well. There were a lot of ghosts bouncing around there all the time. You know, it was uh, it was always a fun place to do games uh, because of the history you could feel in there, and uh, because of the occasional cat and rat that would uh, run underneath the stands and yes. <laughs> things. That uh, it was uh, it was uh, quite the old barn as it it is known and. Um, uh, I have a lot of great memories from there. I remember when the arena was torn down, I, the, the rumor was that uh, they had to evict some very well-fed cats that were mm -hmm. still living at the arena. And and they were purposely put there just for pest control, just in case they ever actually did something with the arena after uh, after uh, it, it closed down. So um, good good times, good times. Yeah, I yeah, know. Those cats all had names, you know, there was two or three cats that uh, ran around the building all the time and, and you would see them and, and it was just normal business because they were there for uh, uh, for mouse control or rat control or whatever. And it was uh, it was it was just part of the way the, the building worked. So, so I guess the question now becomes, were the cats more your flavor or was Barkley, the dog for the last couple of years, more your flavor? <laughs> Mm. I've always been more of a dog guy, so uh, so I kind of like Barkley. He's he's okay. We do have a where we live. We have some cats that uh, hang around the house here, and my wife feeds them. So so I'm not anti-cat. I'm okay with cats, <laughs> but I, but I'm uh, I, I'm more of a dog guy. We uh, we like our dogs. And, and Barkley's adorable on the ice. So uh, that oh, yeah. was that was a huge huge thing for the Blues. Now now you have done over 1,500 games. And you haven't missed very many. I think I, I want to say when we had you on the last time that you said it was only in like the, like a handful, three or four games that you've missed. But what's your secret to being an Iron Man of the PA world? Well, I have to correct you. First of all, I haven't missed a game actually. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, I, I started in 1987, and uh, I haven't missed a game uh, since since I started. Preseason, postseason regular season exhibition games in fact i did a couple of road games in sweden back in uh, 2009 when the blues wow. played the red red wings over there i was flown over and i did the blues home game and i did the the red wings home game over there uh people ask me if i consider my streak broken because of the pandemic and the games that were played in the bubble up in edmonton and i say at least my position on it is no, the streak is not broken because I offered to go up to Edmonton in the bubble and I could have easily done those games. I'm healthy enough. I would have traveled. If they'd have put me in the bubble, I'd have been happy to be there. Um, it was out of my control uh, that Blues played home games that I didn't do the PA for. Al Stafford, the Edmonton Oilers uh, PA guy, did it. And, uh, you know, he he told me he wished I could have been there, but Hey, and I wished I could have been there, but uh, just just for the sake of there not being any uh, confusion about whether my streak is over with or not. But no, it's it's actually like fifteen hundred and forty some games right now that I've won consecutively since I started. And um, um, there's been a probably I'd say eight or ten times where I was not feeling well enough that I, sh I should have probably called in sick and said, let the backup guy do it. But most of the time, there hasn't been a backup guy, so I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know who they would have used anyway. But, uh, you know, it's uh, 
it's something I'm quite proud of. I'm very lucky that I've been healthy all those, all those years and been able to answer the bell for every game. And so, uh, you know, I think it's one of the reasons that, uh, uh, the boys at the St. Louis sports hall of fame earlier this year decided to uh, put me in and, uh, I've got a little picture here. I can show you of, uh, me and Layla Anderson at the uh, hall of fame induction. She came and, uh, she came and uh, was part of uh, the group that uh, we had there that day. And, and uh, if it weren't for my streak, you know, I think it would be, uh, I don't think I'd be in the St. Louis sports hall of fame or any hall of fame, but uh, it's been, uh, uh, it's been a great thing for me. And I'm very grateful that I've been blessed with that kind of uh, uh, health, I guess, on a regular basis. And we had such a great time with Tom Calhoun. In fact, we had such a great time that we are about halfway done with this interview. And we are going to go ahead and save the second part of the interview for next Thursday here on Blue Notes. We, have a, we had a lot to talk about, and it was just a fantastic conversation. So join us next week for the conclusion of our chat with Tom Calhoun. He's got a lot more memories of his time as a Blues public address announcer uh, with the team on the eyes, the ownership groups, uh, announcing groups. I mean, he's, he's full of stories. Join us next week for the conclusion of our chat with Tom Calhoun. But that is going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me, there is no WAGS, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. Jeremy Boyer, play us out.